1: To Fish Talk Radio. I'm John Hennigan in studio, and it just so happens Captain Karen Hookham <laughs> is, is sitting here giggling. <laughs> and I'm just so excited for the show. The reason we're giggling, as she's giggling, is she's excited about going on all of our real fun adventures coming up this year. And um, let's not mention it yet, but we may, it's not going to be a done deal, but we may have a very, very special surprise trip. That's going to be Which we could up. probably talk about at the end of the show. Well, we're going to be talking to Phil. <laughs> now, uh, Phil Thompson, and I'm not really sure how to, how to introduce Phil because uh, I know he's a, a longtime angler. He's a very prolific, well-acclaimed writer. And so I don't know. What would you call yourself, Phil? Are you, are you, a, are you a charter master? Are you an angler? Are you an author? Or what are All three.
2: Um, that's really hard to say. I'm a retired captain. I'm a retired Key West Flats guy who has been writing for the past five years.
1: Well, I sent you an email um, after you you sent me the books, and I think the title was, I'm not happy with you.
2: Yeah, I really was scared to open that email. I I, I, I thought, this is going to be the worst review ever.
1: (laughs) Well, the problem was, is that you sent me two books. Um, one of them was a short one, uh, about, uh, an experience of, uh, you know, back in the seventies of, uh, transporting, uh, Urbis, you know, from one place to another. And the other one was called, was it 97 miles South?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And
1: I started reading the first one. It was not a problem because I got through it in two nights. Mm-hmm. And the second one, when I picked it up, I spent the next three nights until two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, yeah, John, I John, couldn't put it down.
3: Remember I said I said I needed to talk to you about something, and you said, no, I have to go because i got to get to this book again because <laughs> I can't put it down. I can't put it down. Uh, you know how to make an old author's heart
1: drown. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. I wish I had some more. Anyway, um, we're going to be coming right back, and this is just a little bit of a teaser because we got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, you are listening to Cork and uh- Fork Rate. What are you pointing at? Fish Talk Radio, you kind of threw me off there. Okay, you are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and uh, we have Phil Thompson, uh, Captain Hookham, John Hennigan. We'll be right back. Local fishing at its finest is aboard the Stardust. Day and half-day trips on Stardust sport fishing are a family affair. Find out what it's like to view Santa Barbara from the water while you are catching dinner. See whales, dolphins, and channel islands up close. Spotless boat and friendly crew are perfect for beginner or expert. Get aboard with Jason Diamond and his crew on Stardust Sport Fishing, operating at a sea landing in the Santa Barbara Harbor. Lake Cochuma is a California treasure. Bald eagles, deer, egrets, foxes, wild turkeys play on the banks and in the trees. Red ear, bluegill, bass, and catfish inhabit the waters. Rainbow trout are planted on a regular basis and easily caught from boat or shore. Lake Kachuma Boat Rentals is a key to a successful day on the lake. Call 805-688-4040 for information. Tackle skiff or pontoon boat rental. Call Craig at 688-4040. 20 minutes north of Santa Barbara, Kachuma Boat Rentals for a day to remember.
0: Clover Pass Resort, Ketchikan, Alaska, is in the heart of the salmon capital of Alaska. Walk a few yards to the dock and throw a line at king, silver, or pink salmon. Just a 90-minute direct flight from Seattle. You can be in your boat fishing the day you arrive. The calm waters at Clover Pass hold schools of salmon as well as halibut and rockfish. Clover Pass offers all-inclusive fishing packages starting under $1,000.
4: For more information, call John at 877-FISHRAP. That's 877-FISHRAP.
1: Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio. Along with me is Captain Karen Hookham. And we were talking about, she said that I'm going to go on every one of the real fun adventures this year. You might be a busy lady.
6: I can't but, wait. But
1: anyway, we have the pleasure of one of the uh, most interesting men that I have never met.
3: It's <laughs> a good award.
1: But uh, uh, Phil Thompson. Is uh, he describes himself as a retired captain. Oh, I mean retired captain and and author and uh, um, expert on many things. One of them being, of course, uh, he, you know down in the Keys and Cuba, which we're going to be talking about. But he's also um, very familiar with a little bit different, farther north. When we're talking about the prized giant bluefin tuna. And what we'd like to do is start off with that a little bit, Phil, because, you know, the program Wicked Tuna, you know, is extremely popular. And, you know, there's a couple of things that uh, I'd like to learn from that. Now, uh, you and I had discussed the fact that, the, you know, the fisheries, if if all the fish that were taken by were single hook and line, there probably wouldn't be a problem. Well, that's shouldn't say probably, probably. Anyway, it. The commercial catch and a lot of the th- fishing methods have become so sophisticated they've taken too many fish. But aside from that, I'll let you talk a little bit about the giant tuna fishing in the Atlantic.
2: Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, John. And um, it's it's funny you start off with that that topic because uh, I did I was able to spend two days fishing with the w- wicked tuna captains with uh, Captain Dave Marsicano and with Captain T J Ott. Um, TJ and I have been friends for years. I, I know his family from Key West. But Captain Dave made a very uh, pronouncement when he said that uh, it really doesn't matter, excluding the bycatch. In other words, if there is no bycatch, you will you you will not hurt the tuna stocks if you don't overfish the quotas. Um, and the quotas the quotas that are set right now, according to what what I've been reading, um, although the studies. The studies are getting more sophisticated now. Uh, the, quotas, the quotas have been dialed into where uh, these, these stocks are, are certainly sustainable. Um, there's a total, I think, last year, the uh, U.S. harvested about 1,750 metric tons of tuna. Um, or the, the world did. The total, the U.S. total was about 900, but that's half of, our, half of the world total. So our, the, the Atlantic fishery and the Western bluefin fisheries are extremely important uh... to the world's tuna supply um, the, the the two days that I spent off Gloucestershire, Massachusetts in very shallow water, twelve miles from the harbor um... we marked uh, a tremendous amount of fish uh... there was a lot of bait, the fishery itself had an extremely healthy look to it um... there were of course birds, whales, everything you, everything you look for in a fishery that lets you know that it's, it's thriving was there um, the um, Yeah, the hook and line, I've, I've always proposed that you cannot fish a species into extinction with a hook and line, um, because that last fish isn't going to bite, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: smart one, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. He's, just, he's not going to bite. And yeah. I
1: also want to keep in mind that the that the tuna that you're talking about, tuna can be kind of a generic term. It means a lot of different things. But what we're talking about is bluefin tuna, mm-hmm. and they're kind of similar to the yellowfin, but they're very highly prized uh, in sushi, so the, these fish are not going to end up in a can. And the uh, the bluefin that you're talking about, in order to be a legal catch, they have to be like six feet long, and that would equate to oh, well over two hundred pounds. Is that about right?
2: Yeah, I I don't know the exact measurement. I mean, they measure every one, and I and I should know, but no they the the fish the two fish we bought were five hundred pounds Whoa. but yeah two hundred two hundred is probably going to be the low end yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and you know tuna um they do relatively they grow very fast because they're so so um, um prolific you know they' what, what's the appetite there's they they eat so much to sustain themselves, picked, uh, that they grow very fast. And the yeah, a- average and they, life expectancy is not that long. So let's just say that you had a 1,000-pound, a which would be very rare, a 1,000-pound uh, b- um, bluefin tuna. About how old would that be?
2: Um, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. You've um, asked me a question.
1: I know it has to be less than 15 years because they don't live that long. I'll look Yeah. Well, it's, um, oh, Karen's gonna look it up while we're talking. But but a, uh, a, a a a a blue marlin or black marlin that size could be close to a hundred years old.
2: Yeah, they they definitely have a much slower grow rate. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did find out with the with the um, and and the research I've done since then is something I didn't realize that the Atlantic the Atlantic bluefin population also is joined in South Carolina, and North Carolina by the Mediterranean bluefin population there they mix and mingle the atlantic bluefin population goes on around florida and actually spawns in the gulf of mexico and new regulations prohibit any tuna tuna harvesting in the gulf of mexico now
5: mm-hmm. and
2: if those rules can be adhered to um as what dave calls the, bu- the old buffaloes of the fleet will mm-hmm. be able to to spawn and be able to reproduce tuna the tuna fishery is one of the most highly regulated in the world, but because it crosses international boundaries it it's 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 kind of tough to enforce in some ways mm-hmm.
3: um oh i have I have an answer actually okay. i think if this is correct, it says that the bluefin averages two millimeters six point six feet and is believed to live for up to fifty years
1: fifty it can live up to fifty years mm-hmm. okay mm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it's, I guess so it's, somewhere in between, yeah. But it's about, but it, it that's half of what a marlin would be. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, so it does take a while. But most of them don't get up to a thousand pounds. So, but no, and yeah. the ones
2: that do, I mean, yeah. I've seen the pictures. Are, we all have the pictures of the ones that are, you know, 1, thousand, twelve hundred. Tj's, yeah. Tj and his father boated one that was was twelve hundred a few years back. Uh-huh. And it's just an unbelievably huge fish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You get one of those on the line, especially with a hook and line. You're going to be there for a while. But, well, uh,
2: <laughs> I happened to be holding onto a rod. I was moving a rod uh, out of the way because we had a fish on when one hit, and it—it uh, it, it was all I could do to keep from going overboard. I
1: was going to say, I "Hope you're strapped in." Oh uh, no, uh, it
2: was just—it was unbelievable. It, um, the power is unreal. Right.
1: Anyway, uh, but what we want to get back to something more practical. I think we've learned a little bit about the, you know, about wicked tuna and the commercial catch, but uh, if anybody's interested in going after them as a sport fish, um, they are very exciting and very difficult to catch.
2: Yeah, and actually, my I've got an article on, a how to article, talking about the rigs and so forth coming out in Coastal Angler in uh, the February edition nationally. So, um, and that highlights fishing on wicked tuna and, and what the rigs are, and what do you, what you need to conquer those beasts.
1: Um, okay, well, let's check that one out. Now we're going to be uh, moving into a next segment and a different topic, but uh, let's just cover real quickly. What we're going to be talking about coming up, which is something very exciting that I'm very excited about. But um, uh, you also are an author, so why don't you mention a couple of the things that you've written and maybe how we can get uh, get, uh, everybody else can get a copy of it?
2: Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, My novel *Smugglers' Blues*, uh, Key West to Cuba, is um, is set in Cuba, uh, very contemporary. You can get that on Amazon. All my books are available on Amazon.com and in Kindle form and in e-book form, um, was, uh, with Money the Monkey Dances is a collection of Caribbean short stories I put together, and um, my latest release, A uh, Smuggler's Blues, Marijuana Mania, is uh, what I call a non-fiction novella, um, short, sweet, and to the point, but they're all available on Amazon.com or on my website, CaptainPhilThompson.com.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be talking about that coming up in that particular subject that I'm very much excited about. But uh, you know, we're just to kind of finish up with the bluefin. The, the commercial ones that are caught, almost all of them go to Japan, and they get what twenty, twenty-five dollars a pound of whole fish. So you know, you can see why you know a, 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 a one bluefin can be worth ten thousand dollars or more.
2: Oh yeah, yeah they. Uh... And they, uh, the, the one thing I realized, the captains or the owners of the boats actually have to buy the a plane ticket first, virtually to fly the fish to Japan wow. to the auction. I mean, they wow. don't know until that fish is Souls, sold what, what it sells
1: it's sells for, bring. the quality of it. Okay, <laughs> well, we're going to be right back. We've got a three-minute break. Phil, don't you go anywhere because this is so exciting, what we're going to be talking about coming up. And I suggest everybody make sure that they stick around and tune in. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio and we're gonna be right back with you.
7: On Sunday, solo. Just me Welcome back to
1: Fish Talk Man, Radio. I'm John Hennigan in Sunday. studio, and we have uh, Captain Karen Hookham, But more importantly, we have Captain Phil Thompson on the line, who I find absolutely captivating. We had Phil on a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about Cuba. and uh, the, I just, And at that time, Phil had predicted that uh, within the next couple months there was going to be a breakthrough in the U.S. relations with Cuba. Well, he was close. It turned out to be a couple weeks later. And now I think the real buzz is about how and when um, are we going to have access uh, to Cuba as an American citizen. So that's one of the things we want to talk about. And then, of course, another question we want to bring up is why we would want to. So, (laughs) Phil, why don't I just give you free reign and just kind of talk about it?
2: Well, thank you once again. Thank you, John, for having me there. But I am not more important than Captain Karen. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, as far as Cuba goes, what's happening right now, of course, Obama, uh, with the stroke of a pen, um, changed the history of of his administration as far as foreign relations go, especially with Latin America. But to the American citizen, what it means is that, the way I translate it, is that any, any adventurous American citizen can go to Cuba legally. Now, this... The rules, um, the rewritten rules governing the general license, and that's the key, general license, are due to be out within three or four weeks from OFAC. Uh, they're notoriously late, but what, that will, but what that will do is it will give 12 broad categories at which you may travel to Cuba under a uh, general license. A general license meaning you file no paperwork. You assume you're legal and you go. Under the general license, you can spend money in Cuba. Um, the, the, the general license will include education, religion, uh, just a, a, a tremendous range of, of categories so that just about anyone can fit in. Uh, also family travel is, is, is if you have any relative or you believe you have a relative or you thought that your family tree connected to Cuba somewhere, uh, you, you're pretty safe going over and trying to find your family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a few things um, it's once again it 's going to take the more adventurous um, those those that are out of shoot first are going to be the ones that take advantage of these new travel rules. Um, a lot of people will still be going on the tours, uh, and that 's a whole different category but um, either way it's it's positive for the u s and it's very positive for Cuba as well
1: now if if uh, correct me, but my understanding the way that the laws have been um, uh, enforced with the embargo, is that it wasn't necessarily illegal to be in Cuba, but it was illegal to spend one penny. Exactly, and it's kind of hard to visit someplace without spending any money.
2: Well, uh, under the guise, under the old, under the old way, we went from boat from Key West to Cuba by boat. Yeah, that's what we that's what we assumed. Okay, we we lived on the boat, we ate on the boat, we slept on the boat, blah blah blah. Okay, and uh, and that was accepted, although. Everybody knew that it was just a crock. Right. I mean, how are you gonna go to Havana and not go to a club and buy a mojito and <laughs> dance some salsa and right. you know. <laughs> right. Um it it's just that simple. But we were lucky enough, we we went during the special period whenever when things were had ground almost to a halt and, and the the friendships that we cultivated during that period over there have lasted for mm-hmm. you know, the last twenty years.
1: Well, now we, I guess to to summarize then, uh, what you see happening, because uh, you and I were talking about the possibility of organizing a trip, a fishing trip to Cuba sometime in 2015. That might be a little bit optimistic, but I think that's what we're going to try and shoot for. Well, so, and then let's
2: take your let's take your situation as an example. Okay. Okay. You are a journalist. Right. Okay. Well under these new the new journalistic licenses, because you're a journalist, you do not have to file any paperwork. You simply assume that you're legal under the general license and you contact a travel agent in America who a Cuban Cuban travel agent who books you a, a flight and, and also issues you a visa. And you go. Mm-hmm. Now, when you come back, they're going to ask you what the purpose of your travel is, and you right. tell them journalism, and they're going to stamp your passport and say, "Welcome back to America."
1: Hmm.
2: And what if about, you say
1: you're fishing, well, what if you? you say you're you're uh, well, you're not are you not going to say that. You're not going to say you're bringing back uh, plants. But, uh, but now, what about if you just want to go over there for for recreation, uh, sport fishing?
2: Um, no, you're going to have to. You're going to have to get a little more imaginative than that. Mm. Now the big test will come this this June. Uh, we went through a, a drill last year trying to get American boats to uh, get a light to get permission to participate in the Hemingway uh, Billfish tournament, um, the oldest marlin tournament in the world. And uh, we had boats lined up to go, and we had a, actually had a congressman, Florida congressman, trying to push it through, but he couldn't do it. And we're going to once again make that effort this year, and hopefully this year we will. Uh, get some kind of clarification, you know, by the pressure we put on. And even if we don't get permission right away to go, we're going to open up this boating question, which is just absolutely uh, at a fever pitch here in Florida. Uh, I went to three book book events last week, and, and I'm inundated with people who want to take their boats to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And right now I can't advise you, well, I can't advise you anyway, but um, there, let me just say this. We have never, ever, and I've made probably uh, 15 to 20 trips to Cuba by boat. I have never felt threatened or felt the boat I was on threatened in Cuba or in Cuban waters. Um, Mm -hmm. any, Any idea that your boat is not safe in Cuba and you are not safe in Cuba is a... Is, is propaganda. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well,
1: you're talking about from bandidos and things, or are you talking about military or I'm talking about or? from the
2: government. A lot of people, oh, mm-hmm. they'll seize your boat. Well, no, that's not the case. They mm-hmm. they welcome they welcome yachtsmen from um,
1: from Florida. Um, in
2: mm-hmm. fact, if you look at my website right now, I posted a uh, letter from Commodore Screech of Club Nautico in Cuba, the, uh, an independent yacht club, the only one in Cuba. Hmm. And and he welcomed, you know, extended holiday greetings and, and welcomes Americans there with open arms.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh Phil, can you tell me what the website is, please?
1: Oh, it's CaptainPhilThompson.com. dot com. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Captain Phil, P H I L Thompson. Um T H O M P S O N I suppose. Dot com yeah. that's yeah, Cap is it C A P T A I N or C A P T? No,
2: just C A P T.
1: Okay. okay. All right. That's uh <clears throat> yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, you might find some information on his books there. And apparently you've got some more out that I've got to search out and you've got some more coming and some articles. But you are you know you know the thing that I really enjoyed about your book the most? It was about fishing but it was written by somebody that knows what they're talking about. So not only was it, I mean, obviously it was probably fiction, but I don't know how much of it <laughs> well, yeah, the you participated in. was also read by then, but, yeah. someone who,
2: who knows what they're talking about because that question yeah. you asked me was extremely pointed, yeah. and only a veteran Marlin fisherman would have picked that up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that was. I thought that was fascinating. He gave a tip in, in when they were fishing, and I thought, I never heard of this before, but it sounds right. And turns out, you know, it was a very, uh, very interesting tip. But we'll let you read the book to find out what that is. But <laughs> what the the book basically is about a, a, a people that go to fish the Hemingway tournament in Havana. Is that right or in Cuba? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about their, you know, their their trip down there to participate in the tournament. And fascinating stuff because it goes well into the inland of Cuba, whether it's yeah, supposed see, to or not.
2: What'd you think of the pig?
1: Oh, that's a great story. Okay.
3: Don't give it away. I want to read oh, the no? book. Okay,
1: well, you can read the book. I
3: definitely But uh,
1: Well, let's put it this way. Somebody had an idea that uh, um, they wanted to roast a pig. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Well, you can't just go to the grocery store and buy a pig. Right. Okay? I think you'd yeah. have to go to a farm to well, get a pig. Well, yeah, but it has, it's not really legal just to go buy a pig. So you've got to go way up in the mountains. Right. And then I'll tell you one quick, uh, a part of it. This is just the beginning of it. Okay. First of all, they go on this trek that's got to last for hours, and then they get up there and they make a deal with a farmer, um, and uh, to buy the pig, and then they go, well, we'll take that one over there, and the farmer goes, okay. Go get it,
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what? I'm from Iowa, so <laughs> I know that catching a pig is
1: hard. You're yeah. gonna well, love it, then. Uh, yeah, and that, <laughs> wasn't, that wasn't the worst <laughs> pig, part. That, 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 love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's when the adventure started. Well, Put so John, just
3: just quickly, I would like to get uh, that book since you did finish it. Yeah, okay, and okay. since it sounds, it it, it's very. Of course, you yeah. can have it back, okay. but and then, but anybody can go on Phil's yeah. website and purchase the book uh, there as well, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, or like I said, Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Kindle, Chrome, everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, real quickly, because we've only got about a minute left, uh, we talked about why would anybody, what about the fishing in Cuba? Tell us in Fishing in seconds. Cuba
2: on, on, on all levels, from bonefish to bass, wahoo tuna, uh, deep dropping, the marlin run off of um, the North Shore in the, in the um, uh, early summer all the way through, through September, the wahoo fishing in October. It, it's 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 everything you want and that doesn't even start to talk about the diving
1: right and the other thing is that i suspect for the last 50 years it hasn't gotten a lot of pressure
2: there are well um almost 25% of the coastline and the outer caves are preserved mm-hmm. which means it's soft limit for fishing mm-hmm. uh, except for catch and release so okay. that gives you an idea
1: wow and then, of course, you know, with the uh, with the last fifty years of, of there's a lot of things that are if it does start opening up, there's going to be a lot of tremendous opportunities and people that if they get the chance. So basically, right now, uh, you may not be able to get on an airplane in uh, Los Angeles or New York and fly to Cuba, but you know, you can you can legally it looks like be able to fly to say Mexico or Cancun or such, and then and take a flight well, away that way. Well,
2: it's interesting because most of the uh, uh, what we call third. Uh, Third-country right. routes right, are um, outlined on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Anyway, gosh, this is uh, – well, we're going to bring you back on in a couple of weeks to get some more updates on this. And we're going to be talking about the possibility of putting a trip together for those that want to go to Cuba. And if anybody wants to send an email for asked questions, please go to fish. Excuse me. Yeah, fishtalkradio.com, and just click on and get in touch with us. We'll put you in touch with Phil, and if you're interested in going to Cuba, we're going to get all the information we can for you. Phil, thank you very much. It's been a fantastic segment, and I can't wait to talk to you again. You are thank you, listening, and
2: Captain Karen as well.
1: We are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and uh, we'll be back with you shortly with some more science and interesting news. I'm John Hennigan, host of Fish Talk Radio. This is Common Sense Conservation, brought to you by Santa Monica Seafood. We have Dr. Lauren Everett. Lauren, give us an idea about what you do. Well, I chair the World Federation of Scientists
7: panel on pollution. Our headquarters is at CERN in Geneva. We work on planetary emergencies, one of which is ocean contamination. Thank you, Dr. The thrust of much of our work these days has to do with heavy metal contamination. And in particular, we're concerned about lead, cadmium, mercury, and arsenic. Some of the sources are associated with road runoff, whether that's from tires or engine parts. And some of it is associated with our coal power plants that we find actually around the world.
1: What is happening with the coal fire plants around the world, especially ones that are not in the United States? There is a
7: serious concern that in China and in India that there will be environmental destabilization based on simply the coal fire power plant emissions. There is an enormous need for energy in those countries. The major resource that they have is coal. It will be developed at the least cost possible, and that means without air pollution emissions. And so the potential for serious contamination from mercury, for example, from these power plants can be expected.
1: Obviously, we don't have much control. There's not much we can do,
7: but if we could slow it down or stop it. The obvious answer is we can discontinue the practice of washing down our facilities associated with automobile operations. But at a much broader scale, the President of the United States has already passed a mandate through EPA requiring reduction in emissions from coal-fired power plants. So the United States is really leading the way in the reduction of mercury, but we only have so much sway relative to what's happening in China and in India, for
1: example. Thank you, Lauren. Santa Monica Seafoods works for sustainable fisheries. Welcome back to to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and uh, over here dancing to the music is Captain (laughs) Karen Hookham. And we have uh, in our last segment, we had uh, Captain Phil Thompson, who was fascinating, and I can't wait to learn more and more about Cuba and the possibility of us even putting a real fun adventures trip together there. But we'll keep you posted on that. We're going to be working on it. And we have right now on the line with us, we have John Procknow, who's Director of Development. Is that right, John, for Berkeley?
8: Yeah, Director of Product Innovation, Product Development. You bet.
1: Okay. And the products that we're talking about from Berkeley. Now, <laughs> and it's always fascinating to talk to John because, you know, anybody that likes to fish always has some ideas on what they can do. Um, to catch more fish and they want to sell those ideas and you know maybe every once in a while something might work but the real things you know starting with uh, mostly say in freshwater when we go back uh, well certainly to gulp and then of course previous to that um, was uh, what was the 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 trout power Power bait yeah right power bait and then gulp and they it's now they're just like commonplace everybody knows they work. And they use them. But John is continually working to update to learn more about the science about, well, John thinks like a fish. And he now he has to feel like a fish and smell like a fish. <laughs> but uh, uh, in, to understand the senses of what they do and why they do it. So that's why we've got John on. And because he's so exciting and interesting, Captain Phil Thompson has decided to stick around for a little bit, so maybe he can pick up some tips, and he might even interject. So, John, let's start with you and what you're working on right now.
8: Well, uh, right now, John, as you know, and you and I have uh, go back quite a ways and uh, talked about a lot of different things with fishing and how fish relate to different things, particularly a factory that uh, I'm particularly interested in here because, that's what uh, we've studied the longest, and that is the things that fish taste and smell. Um, and we primarily deal with things that uh, fish like to taste and smell. So those are the ones that uh, we do a lot of our studies with, and that science goes into every bait and lure, whether it be the trout dough that we're famous for from the 1980s that now still is going strong, to the power bait, seven-inch power worm to the gulp products to the havoc baits and uh, all that technology that we've developed here over the years um, in conjunction with our fish research team and my chemical team here is what really drives our bait business and puts us at a a scientific uh, forefront, study of fish and incorporating that science into the baits and lures so that people like you and I and the captains can catch more fish.
1: (laughs) Well, would these uh, uh, baits that you're talking about, do you think they'd work on fish uh, in Cuba?
8: Definitely. Fish uh, around the world um, have very similar uh, olfactory, uh, should I say, stimulators. And we've found that uh, uh, there are some regional differences, but in general, fish relate to some of the same when what we like to call meat and potatoes. Those are some of the Mm -hmm. things that we've developed here chemical compounds and structures that uh, really stimulate the fish's olfactory and gets their attention. And actually, it's kind of unique that many fish, even freshwater and saltwater, uh, relate to some of the same base materials. Mm -hmm. But they do go beyond that. And similar to people, that we have different regionalities of people or nationalities of people. We Hmm. prefer different seasonings or spices or flavorants on our food. Fish species are the same way. So what we've done is we've taken Hmm. our research to another level of being able to find and determine what these seasonings or spices or compounds to put on to actually.
1: I think I I understand. It's coming clear in my mind. But mm -hmm. what I was going to say, first of all, is uh, maybe we should, uh, John, maybe we should go down with Captain Phil to Cuba to find out if these things really mm-hmm. do work.
8: I think we should definitely do that. I've been many places in the in the globe and tried it out, but that's one place that we probably, John, you and I, we could yes. really learn a lot from that trip.
1: I think so. What do you
3: think, Phil?
8: I have, believe me, I have taken a ton of Berkeley
2: baits to Cuba, and I have caught a ton of fish with them. Mm-hmm. And I have never brought a single one back because you give them away to the people down there. Right. Um, I can't say that it, it was you know I'm, I don't know what sense or whatever I can't can't go into all that but yeah they work very well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, John, let me kind of uh, talk about it in a sense of food, um, in in ethnic foods and such. So what you're saying is that you know things are universal as far as you know they 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 use smell, but a fish that is used to eating a certain type of food, you have to mimic that. Type of food. In other words, it's, you know, if people like uh, Indian food, um, and you know, so the people that that are used to that, that's the type of food that they're looking for. So you you have to kind of, um, you know, have something that will work for that per- particular uh, interest. So in other words, you know, freshwater, saltwater, of course, eat different things. No, that's, but
2: excuse me, let me interrupt because what I was going to say about the soft baits, and I'm talking about soft baits. I've caught big tarpon on the same bait that I catch freshwater bass on.
8: And that is definitely the case. That that happens a lot. There's a lot of people and they don't realize it. A lot of the anglers that are in the know will use saltwater baits and freshwater and freshwater baits in saltwater because they do cross over. But uh what we found is that that the Base material, similar to people, meat and potatoes, unless you're a vegetarian, almost all nationalities of people eat meat and potatoes or meat and something. But it's those different things that we like to season them with when we're a different uh, regionality of people or different ethnicity of people. And a largemouth bass or a catfish or a tarpon or a redfish prefer that same type of meat and potatoes But what they like on it that really gives it that added kick or relates it to their region or what they've actually been eating in their environment are those different compounds that we've been able to find and research and put in with the meat and potatoes. And the way we do that is depending on what we're targeting for that particular bait shape, what species we're targeting, we put those seasonings in there. Mm -hmm. But just like us as humans, We'll eat Chinese, we'll eat Mm -hmm. Indian, we'll eat Mexican, we'll eat uh, American, but it's still fish are like that also. So that isn't to say a Mm redfish isn't going to eat the same thing that a bass eats or a Mm -hmm. tarpon or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's very, very similar in that way.
1: Uh, John, (laughs) the... The, in in Alaska, when you're fishing for halibut deep, a very very popular, they put a secret sauce on the fish and drop it down because the halibut. You know, of course, when you're two three hundred feet, there's there's no light, so they follow from scent and they can come from a quarter half a mile away to follow that scent. Now, when you're when you've got it in a soft plastic, when they bite it, they can taste it. But does that is how do you get that scent to disperse? Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, we kind of mentioned is that if you put it in like a, you know, a plastic bait where it's impregnated, uh, when they bite into it, yeah, they can do it. But the analogy is it's like eating a ham sandwich that's still in the in the, uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> the the plastic that wraps it. So once you bite into it, you get it, but it's not the same. So did I ask a question there or was I just talking?
8: No, I, I get what you're saying exactly, and you've picked up exactly the... Old technology that has been out there for years and years that we hear it, even pure fishing in Berkeley, have used is we use a PVC, polyvinyl chloride, soft plastic, like the worms and grubs and all those soft baits are made out. of. Well, when you when you actually make that, you you cook in your um, flavors into there and your attractants, and they get sealed in there. And one of the tips I used to always tell the anglers um was uh rough up the surface of your baits like a seven inch worm
4: because then you're
8: scratching it and making more surface area and and breaking that Mm. membrane up so that the things that you're putting in there can get out to the water because they used to always ask me well how long is the seven inch power worm good for i said as long as you can get it to stay on the hook it gets better and better because the more it gets chewed up by those teeth the more uh, goody or scent and flavor that gets out to the water,
1: mm-hmm.
8: John. May I ask for one last question? I've got to sign off,
2: but I'm sure. just—I'm curious about one thing. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> would would your specialization as far as scents go? Would that be like the difference between a mullet that a rowing mullet and a non-rowing mullet? Because uh, we know that we know here that, for instance, snook and, and tarp and everything else feed voraciously on the rowing mullet when they get the fat. Actually, it's not the row, the fat, when they get the fat content right, because that's what they store it for the winter. I mean, is it
8: that detailed? I, I believe it is that detailed. We have not got to that depth of it. I don't believe there's still a lot more science and work to do on our end, but we have got to the point where what you're saying makes sense, and we've got to the point where we are adjusting our formulas for those
2: wow. types uh well everything. then let me leave you with this. Develop a bone fish set for a Marlin lure that will last and you will have you will have a winner.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, well, he's I gotta got, go. He's thank got, you. Um, Thanks, hey Phil, Phil, thank you very much. We'll be in touch with you soon. That was fine. Alrighty. And then uh, just one quick comment. I can say that it's been a few years ago, John sent me some uh, soft plastic that I was trolling. A Dorado came up and took a bite out of it. You know, and if the if they strike a plastic, you know they're gone because they know it's not real. Well, this one came back after it again because they liked what he had. So to me, that proved that it's real. But uh, uh, John, keep doing what you're doing in Berkeley. If any if anybody wants to keep up with you, how do they do that?
8: They can get on our website at uh, uh, the whole website is purefishing.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. Or they can get into the different brands that we got, like uh, uh, Berkeley Fishing. Right. So just go to
1: purefishing.com and click where you want to go, and, and we do yep. that. John, thank you so much. We appreciate having you on, as always. Uh, looks like this particular segment is, is going away again. <laughs> but, uh, it's make finished. Sure, make sure <laughs> that you go to our website, fishtalkradio.com, and listen to us again and again and again. Okay. All
3: right. Be right you back. Time. Be right back.
1: Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. Boy, this has been so much fun.
4: Oh, you know, this has that's been a what very I really interesting... love
1: about doing this show because I, I get to learn so much. I know, uh, and it's exciting. We got exciting guests. Speaking of exciting guests. Um, you know, you would think somebody that uh, that works in a laboratory wouldn't be very exciting, <laughs> but we have John Prokno on, who's very exciting. Uh, he works with Berkeley in developing using true science, which is something that uh, is rare these days to attract fish. To attract fish, I think that's interesting. Uh, so. Um, what uh, What is it you're working on currently, John?
8: Well, we're working on different uh, delivery systems and stuff, John. Uh, We can add our attractants and all the science and things we've learned from the past 25, 30 years of research here. We're actually doing now research on new delivery systems or new materials that we can use to make the soft plastics or to deliver the scents and flavors and attractants to the fish. So they make unique new lures that actually attract fish from farther away and uh, work better than what we currently have out there in either power bait or gulp.
1: So just to to kind of get an idea when you talk about delivery system now if you impregnate a plastic uh the fish will bite into it and if they like what they like what they find you know they might come back for more but that uh but if they're following the scent uh they may not you know if, if that bait is trolling through the water it may not might be difficult for them to to follow that scent uh is that what we're talking about
8: That's exactly what we're talking about John um as anglers what we want to do is fool the fish into believing what we've got in front of him is a food stuff or a bait that he wants to eat so the more senses you can fool of him you want to stimulate the sight the sound the vibration for his lateral lines the scent and smell and taste and the more of those that you can mimic of what he usually eats or fool him into believing it's real the easier it's going to be to catch that fish.
1: Well,
3: oh gosh, that sounds I know. So fun. And, well, trust like me, I want to try when, when and do he this. Say,
1: when he says easier. Easy. I don't. No, no, When he says easier, <laughs> that's true. Easy that's never true. <laughs> but you want to you know, you're always looking for the best advantage. You want the best equipment, Right. you know, you want the best gear, you don't want to well, lose it To once be you the get best best that so you can. So you, you want the best possible advantage. And mm-hmm. of course if you're uh, in a tournament or something, that could be equated to something big. So even it could be even the difference you, of you, winning yeah, or, or not. Even if you get a slight advantage, that's huge. Yeah. But uh, so the delivery, do you, you can't say yet what that is. We're going to have to bring you back on and find out what you come up with?
8: Yep, we're going to have to do that at a later date, John.
1: Okay, that's a promise.
3: How much later? Well, <laughs> <No>.
1: Soon, soon, <laughs> soon, soon, soon. And then we're going to be t- uh, see if we can get a get, trip together to take John to Cuba and, t- and test the stuff out. I'm, ex- I'm anxious to do that, if that's at all possible. John, thank you very much. And as you mentioned, probably the easiest thing to do is to go to Pure Sports. Pure Fishing website. <laughs> Pure and fishing? you can
8: look at any of our products and brands there, but it's purefishing.com.
1: Purefishing.com, and then just click under Berkeley, and then after that, see if we can find uh, John Prock now.
3: <laughs> Down in his laboratory.
1: In his laboratory. <laughs> John, thank, thank you. you so much. We appreciate that. All right. We'll talk you soon. Thank you. You, you Well, Karen, that is exciting.
3: Oh, my gosh. this is. I love doing this show with mm-hmm. you. It's. I learned so much, and mm-hmm. not only that, I'm really Want to get out on the water?
1: There you go. That's, That's what it's all about. Right. That's I really want to get about. out
3: on the yeah. water and fish, yeah. and and I want to go to all these neat places. And we're going to have our trips up, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully by Monday. At least two well, of the trips. What, what and we're, we're
1: going to do is we're kind of tease a little bit. We're putting up together a web page uh, that is going to have. Anything that you ever wanted to do with fishing, any place you, you just pick out a location, the price you want to spend, what kind of accommodations, and we 're going to have that together for so you so fish next few talk weeks.
3: fish talk radio and real fun adventures mm-hmm. teaming up
1: don 't go there yet, go there next week right next okay. week okay uh, we pre- thank you so much, Captain and, thank uh, you we had so much fun today. Make sure you go to listen to this show as many times as you want on. Uh, FishTalkRadio.com, right on the front page. Just say listen to the show, and or if you any missed of... anything, or if you want to listen to it again and again, yep, do that. And or you can send hear us on,
3: yeah, and you can hear us on iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn's Great. Reno Viola. Right, we're
1: everywhere. Go to Facebook and share with your friends. Absolutely. All right, all right. Tight Thanks, lines. Tight Let's lines. get Thank hooked. You've <laughs> <All right.
5: laughs> you gone fishing.